Welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Switch podcast, where we dig deep into Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you besides. We're going to unwrap kingdom culture, kingdom benefits, and therefore kingdom lifestyle. I'm Trish Jones, and with me is Susan Fleming Speesman. And just to say, it's all good. Hey there, quick heads up. This is the first part of a three-part episode. It wasn't intended to be, but we went a little bit long. And so as to respect your time, we've decided to split this up. You are going to want to listen to the end. Trust me on this one. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kingdom Switch. I'm your host today, Susan Fleming Speisman, and I have the fabulous Trish Jones with me. Say hey to everybody. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Susan, I'm looking forward to today's podcast. So yeah, love to be co-hosting with you today. Yeah, we are diving in deep today. There is some deep stuff in here today, just giving you all the warning. (laughs) Um, I know we've gone, we go deep on a lot of stuff, but Mm. we were talking before we hit record and just the weight of what is on what we're sharing today. And not to scare anybody away, we're going to be just presenting the simple, beautiful love of God and the true gospel in, in a way that then maybe you haven't heard it before. And just praying before we get started that that you come with an open heart, an open mind, and anything that we say, take it back to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Susan, you said you don't want to scare people away. If anything, I believe that if people capture what we're talking about today, they won't be running away. They'll be running into Mm -hmm. his arms. And that's what we want. That's all we want is for people yeah. to have that deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. So anything that masks that, I'm not into it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's part of what we're going after today is the lies of religion. And those lies are things that mask the love of God a lot of times. So, yeah, we're going to be diving into the lies that religion sells us on sin, forgiveness, sanctification, deep issues. So, again, just really want to emphasize anything that's said today that you would just take it back to the Lord and ask for your own revelation of these things, that you not just take our word for it, or that you not just get mad about it and reject it, but that you would stay open and just take it back to him and allow him to peel back the layers for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because when we hear something sometimes for the first time and it doesn't jive with us, it's easy to just dismiss it rather than say, God, what are you saying about this? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to start with this quote from Ryan Pena that I thought was just so powerful when I heard him say it. And he said, anytime a lie goes unchallenged in a generation, then it becomes the truth of the next generation. And I immediately thought back to things that I was taught in church that 
made me kind of question or didn't sit right with me. And I wasn't sure, is that really true or not? And I remember asking questions of people at church, people that I respected. And I was just typically given a blanket answer of that's what so-and-so said. Normally going back to, well, pastor said. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So if pastor is going to fall into the ditch, we're all going with him. Yes. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, please don't take that to mean that I am against pastors. Yeah. Oh, right. For sure. I'm not trying to offend anybody and say that you don't listen to your pastor, but we all have to listen with ears that allow us to hear from the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And if it's not jiving, it's okay to question. Yeah. I remember somebody saying once that you shouldn't question God. And I was thinking, whoa, God, I'm asking you questions all the time. Um, yeah. And then I went through a phase where I was afraid because it's like, who am I? now? I ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions. That's what kids do. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, that's such a great point for sure. What are your thoughts about this quote? And is there a specific lie that comes to mind for you that you think we've been believing about sin? Where do you want me to start? (laughs) Wherever you want to go, you got free reign. (laughs) When I actually saw this quote, I was like, oh my goodness me. If we actually do some church history, because Mm -hmm. when I did my ministers in training program, that's what, oh gosh, I can't remember how far back now. Was it 2012? 13, whenever. And we started doing church history. And I started asking the question, if we looked at the 14th, 15th, 16th century church, it doesn't look like what we have today. And yet we have taken certain things on and run with it and we have not questioned it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm looking at things that have gone unchallenged, wow, I'm having difficulty think of one. Okay. Do you know what? There is one that was thrown at me all the time when I was a young Christian, was bodily exercise, profited little. Yeah. So we were challenged for going to play sport. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were challenged to go and play sport. And one day I had to be like, hold on a second. Profits little in comparison to our relationship with God. Yes. But God tells us that our bodies are the temple of the living God. So why would you ignore it? And it was things like watching sports. And on a Sunday, honestly, Susan, trust me, I was brought up with so much religion that I would be here all day if I told you some of the things that I was sold on. And it's taken my relationship with Jesus Christ and my searching to say, hold on, this isn't what you meant by this. The problem is somebody takes something and they create a whole doctrine around it. And this is what he is saying. We have doctrines that are unchallenged and they pass from generation to generation and people even start quoting it as if it's from the Bible. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember what scripture it was, but it was to do with money. And we were away on holiday one one year. In fact, it was 2002 because it was the year Elodie was born and I couldn't find the scripture in my Bible. And back then we didn't have, now you can just tap in your internet and just find the scripture. Anyway, yeah. I found the scripture that I was referring to in the end, and it wasn't what was being quoted all the time. That I wish I could remember what it was, but it was not in the Bible. And I'm like, where have we got this from? That suddenly yeah. it's Trish Jones' version. Trish Jones, chapter 3, verse 5. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Oh, that's so true. That's so true. That made me think of, yeah, one that I always heard growing up was money is the root of all evil. That was, a, that was it. Is that it? That was it. That was it. Right. That was it. And that's not find it. it. Yeah, that's not that, what it says. I'm glad you said that. That was it. Couldn't find it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's the love of money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And yep. what does the love of money look like? I used to say to people, just watch what they're doing to our food. Watch mm-hmm. how the government operates. Mm-hmm. Watch what they're doing. And to, yeah, anyway, loads yeah. of things. And so we yeah. invariably go, oh, it means that you shouldn't have money. We need money to further the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, but yes, thank you for that, Susan. That was the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes to show. So you, you, by the way, for those of us who may never have listened to our podcast before or can't tell from the accents, I live in the UK Susan lives in America, and yet, yes. Susan, you have the same doctrines as we do. Yeah. <laughs> Not the sports one, though, because I'm in the South, college right. football rule, okay. so we would never be told not to you not to participate thing. in sports my gosh you lucky thing i used to love badminton growing up and playing badminton you're thinking oh gosh i've hit the shuttlecock lord are you happy with me yeah. Wow. yeah and we laugh about it now but there are probably still people living under that Absolutely. am i sinning yeah because i have whatever fill in the blank whatever their question is because i played a sport or I exercised or I worked out my body like wow yeah I used to think you couldn't laugh it was like anything that was funny you couldn't laugh and it was when I watched the passion of not the passion the Mel Gibson version the BBC Mm -hmm. did a rendition which they called the passion of the Christ and Mm -hmm. when I saw that and they had one section in there where Jesus is actually playing with his mother and he's built mm-hmm. this table and she's admiring the table and he's running around the table and he's flicking water at her. And yeah. let me tell you, that scene in that movie made my heart melt. And I was like, wow, we just see Jesus as this crybaby almost. Mm. And yet the compassion he had. And yeah, so that's why I love The Chosen as well. Yes. I love The Chosen. <laughs> Yes, we don't need to get started on that. We'll spend the whole episode talking about the chosen. <laughs> I'll have to do that. I'm going to challenge you now. I have to do an episode on the chosen. I'll do it. I'll do it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah they're per- the portrayal there yeah. of Jesus in that is just so good. Yeah. So good. I know it's touching so many people. Yeah. Mm. Susan, I'm going to ask you a question if that's okay. Sin. Let's talk about sin. Let's just go right to the yeah. jugular, right? And yep. talk about sin. <laughs> yeah. What is the definition of sin? I love this. I love this. So in the Greek, the definition of sin is to be without a share in. Wow. The lie that we've been sold here is that sin is about our behavior. And God says that sin means that you've lost your inheritance. Ouch. Ouch. And it's not based on... On behavior, we're going to get more into that. But, you know, going back to the garden, going back to look at Genesis, when you start breaking down what happened there and the verses that we have to look at, when you go back to that original language, what you see is we lost our inheritance. But God, but God never left us to be on our own. 
the separation that happened was in our mind. He didn't leave us. The sin, and I want to point out too, where I'm saying the lie is that sin is about behavior. We know that it's not about behavior because the sin didn't happen. Well, if you go back and look in chapter 3, where the serpent is talking to the woman, not yet named, right? Mm -hmm. But he's talking to the woman. How did he get her to eat the fruit, right? The sin happened before she ate the fruit. The question he asked her was, did God really say? He got her to doubt. He got her to question, is God's word really true? The sin wasn't in the behavior. It was in the thought, God's not telling me the truth. And then she acted that out. Because she thinks she's missing out on something. Yeah. And and when we think about it, sorry, Susan, I don't want to. No, go ahead. When you think about it, sin is because we think we're missing out on something. If we could go through all of the sins in the Bible, adultery, oh, we've got to be missing out on something. Stealing, we're missing out on something. Jealousy, somebody's got Mm -hmm. something that we should have. Why have you got it and I don't have it? And if we look at that, it's about we think we're missing out on something. Mm -hmm. We haven't got enough. God's not providing enough. We're not enough. Yeah. Yeah. We're doubting his word that says you are not in lack. Yeah. Yeah. We're doubting that he said, I'm responsible for you. I'm always going to provide for you. I'm your dad. I'm going to take care of you. That's what we're doubting. And we're saying, nope, I've got to take care of me. So let me reach for this thing over here. Yeah. And God is saying, I love you. Yeah. And because I love you. Sorry, Susan, go ahead. No, I was just going back to reiterate, right? The sin, it's not about behavior, right? So when you look at, again, going back to that Greek, the word is hamartia. I'm hoping mm-hmm. I'm saying, saying that, but it's when you look at all the definitions, there were multiple definitions. The first definition is to be without a share in. And then you go down, I think it was like the fifth or sixth one. It said something about doing something wrong, but we focused in and it just makes you question again, like when the Bible gets translated and that person filtered through their own perception of God and they put it in there or they made it sound like, or let's say not again, not picking on pastors, but if you're at church and your pastor is talking about sin, they're filtering it through their own experiences through their own filter of what they believe about God and who they believe God is. Yeah. And they're the ones telling you that sin is about behavior. Because it's it's wrapped around behavior. Yeah. Yeah. It's always wrapped around behavior. Yeah. It becomes about the right and the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which just continues... Again, back in the garden, where did he where did the serpent get the woman to eat from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Religion is wrapped up in that tree of good and evil. Right and wrong. You've got oh, you've got to know the difference or you're not going to choose the right one. Well, they didn't know the difference before and they chose God. That that's the point. Because they didn't know the difference. They chose God because that's how God created them to be 
And when mm-hmm. we choose different, it's because we don't choose God. And Susan, I'm glad you said that because I just want to mention here for those people who are already going, yeah, these two are crazy. They're heretics. <laughs> <laughs> When the Bible says sin separates us from the love of God, I want to explain what that means. The way that I see that scripture, if I choose to go my own way and I want to steal somebody else's husband and I want to steal and I want to lust and I want to be jealous, I want to kill, I want to do all of these things. And I'm happy doing those things, right? Whether I'm happy doing them or not, because if you've got a habit and you're really praying about it. And I do pray for those people who have a habit and they want to get out of it. The fact mm-hmm. is when we're focusing on those things that we are doing that we shouldn't be doing, which we call sin, we're not focusing on the love of God. What we have done is focused on we need to get right with God by not sinning rather than we need to get right with God by having a relationship with him. Wow. Wow. And so yeah. we come from an angle of, I must do this, I must do that, rather than looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and allowing that relationship to make us behave like God created us to be in the garden. We are, of all the universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, the animals, we're the only one that God <laughs> breathed mm. life in. Wow. He made us in his image to be like him, to think like him, to act yeah. like him. And when we're not, it's not that he doesn't love us. It's that we've taken our eyes off him because at that point, if I choose, I'm hungry and I choose to go still, I'm not I'm fulfilling a legitimate need because I'm hungry, but via illegitimate means. Yeah. Yeah. The separation happens when we don't choose him. Yeah. But even in that, it's not a literal separation. He doesn't go anywhere. It's all in our mind. We've turned from him and chosen to go a different way, Mm -hmm. but he never leaves. No. He's no. still right there all the time. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And that, that example that you give is just so good for this because, again, religion is operating out of do bad, get bad. Yeah. Karma, as they That's, call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just so rooted in that in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And it sets you up for performance. If I do this, I'll get this. And if I do this, then I'll get something bad. Do bad, get bad. Yeah, yeah. Do good, get good. And By the way, when I said karma, I was not saying that's what the church says. I just want to make that clear. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's what they would say, karma. Yeah, sorry, God. Yeah, yeah. Just focus for a second on the part of the story, if you haven't read it in a while, I would encourage you to go back to Genesis and read through the first three, four chapters. But what really stands out to me now that I have this kingdom filter, Mm -hmm. God is love and God is good. When I go back and read it now, what stands out to me is that when the way that God responds 
when sin enters humanity. Right. What does he do? Yeah. What does he do? He asks questions. He says, where are you? And it's not that he doesn't know. Oh, my gosh. But he's calling out to his children. Mm. He's still pursuing them, Mm. even after they have, quote, done something bad. He already knows what happened. Yeah. He already knows. But you said here about... God's response to Adam and Eve in terms of what mm. happened. Yeah. What yeah. What did happen? I think it's important because I know I can see the questions taking over in people's yeah. minds saying, but this scripture and that scripture and what happened with Adam and Eve. Yeah, go for it, yeah. Susan. Yeah, because there are, there are those people who are going to hear that and go, okay, he's a wrathful God, tons of scriptures about God's wrath and how mad he is at us and that he's just waiting to strike us down. So I would ask the question, why didn't he? Why didn't he just do that in the garden? He could have took him out right there. Zap, you're done. <laughs> We're going to start over. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I always say to Chris, at the end of the day, if God was such a a vengeful God, when Mm -hmm. Eve messed up, he could Mm -hmm. have got rid of her before Adam messed up. Hey, let me just get rid of this woman. Yeah. And leave the man because the man was on his own anyway. Yeah. Or not created her in the first place because he knew. He knew ahead of time. He knew where it was going. Yeah. And had already made preparation for it. So we won't get into all that today. But yeah. So why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he just say, oh, they messed up. We'll start over. But he responds in love. And he asks questions. And he gives them truth. And he removes them from the garden. And again, people interpret this as he was mad. He kicked them out. No, religion says they're kicked out because God's angry. But kingdom says, God says, it's for their own protection that they had to go out. And we see that, again, it's in Genesis 3. If they had, oh, man, just to even think about, if they had eaten from the tree of life in the state that they were in, that's it. They would have been that way forever. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so it was for there their own. No, pro- there would have been no redemption. Yeah. Yeah. So for everybody, for humanity, he removed them from the presence of the tree. Yeah. He had to take them out of the garden and set up the protection for the tree of life so they couldn't eat of it. But it, it was for them. It was for their good. And he still didn't, wasn't just, okay, get out, bye, see ya. We see later on, he's still talking with them. He's still walking with them. He provided clothes for them. Yeah. He provided food for them. He He was was still providing. He was the first person, being, who killed an animal. Yeah. So that he could give them skins. Yeah. So for all those people who are not meat eaters, leave me alone. Sorry, oh just not to drop yeah. that one in. <laughs> okay. But no, seriously, Susan, I was joking. I'm not joking. I love my meat. Just leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but yes, God did what he needed to do to keep them warm. Mm-hmm. And you going back to what you said about the fact that they 
God was angry with them and kicked them out. And then that was the separation. And yet he spent the time telling them what is going to happen. He explained to them. But what I actually wanted to say was I was raised with the King James Version of the Bible. And I still love Mm -hmm. it. I think it's very poetic. Sometimes I have to think before I quote from it because some people may not understand it. But I think sometimes the language is quite harsh. And whilst Mm -hmm. I... I'm going to be honest and say that some of the newer versions I'm skeptical of because I don't know who's behind it. If we start looking at other versions, we start seeing that even when God said that effectively you're going to have to eat from the land and you're, there's going to be weeds and all of these things and the woman's going to have to go in labor. Trust me, when I was in labor, I asked God why. <laughs> <laughs> why just why (laughs) i escaped in the end so basically all women watching i bow to you i had to have an emergency cesarean in the end but yeah but what god was doing was actually telling them that as a result of their sin this is the way that they are going to have to live but this wasn't what he had planned for them and yet we see that as this is god angry but god is laying out that unfortunately this is what this means now that you your eyes are opened yeah yeah it was a consequence of what happened yeah not a punishment not a punishment yes yes say that again right it was a consequence not a punishment yeah and i have teenage boys and i frequently explain to them the difference Of consequence and punishment. But the other thing is that people say God cursed them. He didn't. He cursed the ground. Absolutely. Because he had to. Do we want to go there? Go for it. I don't know. Do we want to go there? He had to because the earth was now in possession, being possessed by the enemy. It was under the domain of Satan at this point. Yeah. Because The people had given their agreement, their authority, their power to someone else. So he had to curse the ground. It's an enemy, under enemy control, he couldn't bless it. And Susan, can I just clarify something there? And I'm asking a question and making a statement at the same time. Did God curse the earth or did he allow it to carry on the way it was before he blessed it? before he I'm not I'm not making a I'm making a statement and asking a question is it the fact that he cursed the earth or did it go back to how it was before he blessed them in the garden because remember that he said that they had they had dominion power that they were supposed to go effectively go out and make the earth look like the garden of eden so it would have been dark outside the garden of eden but they didn't see that darkness. It would have been like laying a path. They would have just they would just keep laying the path until everywhere looked like the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't be in the garden. They had to go out to the place that was effectively uncultivated. Yeah. Is that making yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. So please, all of you the- theologians, don't come and say to me, you heretic. I- I'm just asking the question. <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Yeah. No, I think that's a great question. I hadn't considered that. I would say, again, the scriptures use the word 
cursed and it's something I haven't researched, haven't dived into that one yet. So I can't give you an answer on that one yet, but I would say that's, that would be a great question to take back to the Lord and ask him because we can debate about this stuff all day. But Absolutely. And I always say that there are certain things that are a definite no-no and there are certain things that it doesn't matter yeah. that my interpretation isn't exactly the same as yours. We're still going, right. we're still heading to the same place. We still have the same desires that God has for the world. So anyway, that was that was just my thinking behind that. But, no, I think that's great. I think that's a great thing to explore for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 And when going back to what I was saying, it wasn't that God was saying, this is going to happen to you and you're going to do this now because it's basically, yeah. because, as you say, the consequences of you doing what you're doing, this is going to be how it's going to be until you have a redeemer. Yeah. To redeem that to me. Yeah, that's so good. And can I just, because I know, again, people are probably thinking, yes, but the earth is still reeling under a curse. It's still really bad. The government's really bad. This is what Kingdom Switch is all about. Mm. We... Mm -hmm. It's like we have to be living in the Garden of Eden like Adam and Eve was, and yet around them there was evil. The snake was still present. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, all the animals didn't sting like they do now, etc., because that came as a result of the curse. But it's like we have to be living in that Garden of Eden whilst all around us is evil, and we are supposed to influence what is around us rather than be influenced by what is going on around us. See, what Eve did, she allowed the serpent to influence her with how he was thinking because he got kicked out of heaven and he wanted to get back at God. And we have to remember this. When the enemy comes after us, it's because he wants to get back at God. How dare you kick me out? I was the cherub. I stood on the mountain. I saw all of these things. As I call him the worship leader, he was the worship leader. He's probably got the most fabulous voice and I won't go there, but that's why he infiltrates the music the way he does. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. (laughs) I hope people can see that we're not flaky Christians, right? Because I'm certainly not into anything goes. I'm really not. Yeah. I'm not into anything goes, but I am saying that we need to start asking questions. And going back to your quote, that any time a lie goes unchallenged in a generation, then it becomes the truth of the next generation. I don't want my daughter to go through what I went through as Mm. a young Christian. And I told you before, Susan, how God spoke to me and told me not to bring her up religiously. Yeah. And it was just out of the blue. It just came out of the blue. And so what we're trying to do is to fix, not fix, because I can't fix anything. I can't even fix myself. Lord, help me. (laughs) But hopefully get a message to this generation so that the next generation... Let me finish my sentence, because Elodie's always telling me off for not finishing my sentence. But so the next generation doesn't have to put up with the nonsense that we did. But not only that, Susan, Every generation, something gets worse and then some things might get better. But the enemy is a liar that there are certain things now that if we looked at the way that they lived in the 16th century, we'd be like, oh, so glad we live now, not in the 16th century. And yet if the people came from the grave 
that lived in the 16th century and saw what we were living through now, they'd be like, I'm so glad I lived in the 16th century. <laughs> <laughs> These people are crazy. What is this thing they're, they're using called what? Phone? iPhone? Internet? <laughs> what is that? And that you can't just have peace and everyone's yeah. pinging ping, ping you all day. Yeah. But joking aside, there are going to be things that are just look, just look so bad. And if people haven't got that mindset that I'm living in Christ, I live and I move and I have my being, we will forever be influenced by the world yeah. and not do the influence in. And mm. then we end up sad, upset, saying, God, where are you? Or there I go there, pack our bags like so many Christians and still waiting for the rapture. Yeah. I pray that if Jesus doesn't come back for 200 years, then at least people can get access to our podcast. (laughs) 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 Pack your bags and go and do what Jesus has called you to do. Yes. Yeah. 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 But one of the things I think keeps us focused on sin is that we don't understand forgiveness. Really? We don't know what we have in Christ. So yes, we don't understand forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, which is our lie number two. Forgiveness is about begging. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, my gosh, she's put me on the spot. It it is finished. It is finished. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And again, I don't want to upset people, but I've been forgiven for sins, past, present, and future. Yep. I am forgiven. Yeah. And if I make a mistake, I will say, God, that wasn't clever, was it? I shouldn't have done that. And I will say sorry because if I step on my husband's toe yeah. deliberately or accidentally, sorry, I don't go around stepping on people's toes deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? If I step yeah. on his toe or if I misunderstand him, and I say, you did so-and-so. And he says, no, I didn't. I will say yeah. sorry. And so, my God, the all-compassionate God, I will say, God, I'm really sorry. I love David and Jonathan, that story of David and Jonathan. I just love it. When Jonathan lays out to David, what would you do with the man who did so-and-so, so-and-so? And then David's like, this is what I would do. You know, and Jonathan then looks at him and says, David, that's you, bro. <laughs> And what does David say? He said, God, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Mm. He didn't say, sorry, I sinned. He said, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. He was saying, I didn't put my trust in you. I went and got what I felt that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good because I I don't think we just stop and intentionally think on the implications of Jesus saying, it is finished. Yeah. Because if we can, if we're continuing to try and work for forgiveness, you're saying that what Jesus did wasn't enough. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Susan. That is the key. Wasn't enough. I don't want to say that. Oh my gosh. You know, like even just when that just came out, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. 
that's wow. I would never want to say that to God. Yeah. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time, basically implying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. So I'm going to go do X, Y, Z to try and get back in, in your good graces. And again, tree of knowledge of good and evil. If I do this, then I'll get this. Yeah, absolutely. And then our cheek is when we go off and try and fix what Jesus didn't do properly, we say, God, will you bless it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that, in all seriousness, literally is somebody mm. who, in my view, what other religious person? They like church. It's like being part of a football team. I've got a brother and he's, when I'm telling you, I better get it right. Is it Man U or is it Liverpool? Oh gosh, Chris would say, whichever one it is, they wear red. <laughs> <laughs> and when his team is on and they're playing, I'm like, dare I text and say goal because he's waiting till the end. He is a fanatic. But then yeah. there are those people who jump on the bandwagon like me. I'm only supporting them because my brother supports them. So if they lose, I feel for my brother. If they win, yeah. I'm rejoicing with my brother. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? And I am yeah. that there are people who call themselves Christians who do that. They jump on bandwagons. So they mm -hmm. like the feel of church. They like the songs. They like the preaching. They like to be able to point the finger and say to this person, you're not a Christian. Why have you got that on? And you can tell religious people, they always, yeah. no matter what you got on, oh, they've got no sleeve top on. They're showing too much arm. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I'm all for modesty. If you saw me now, I've got my jumper right to my neck. That's me. But yeah, you can, because that's all they see yeah. is the things that they think is wrong with other people. And, but they like church, they like the music, they like what the Bible says because it makes them feel good, but they don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. They'll quote him all day long, and generally speaking, what they quote is what their pastor said or what they've heard from yep. church because they don't pick up their Bible from Sunday to Sunday. And I know I'm like getting on my soapbox now, and I'm sorry, I don't want to upset anybody, but seriously. If we want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got to spend time with the one who died for us, with mm -hmm. the one, the only one who is going to show us what the creation of God looked like. Yeah, spending time with him and accepting what's already been done. Yeah. And belonging, be belonging. Yeah, if you're part of a club, Going back to the football example, if you're part of the football club, you belong, you go, you celebrate with them, you cry with them when your team loses. You're part of the club and you belong. You feel that there's that sense of community, that sense of loving, but you can't yeah. be a part of the community when you're dipping in and dipping out. Oh yeah, they're doing really rubbish this season. So you know what? I'm going to defect from Man United and I'm going to support Liverpool instead. And then when Liverpool starts mm -hmm. doing really badly, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm defecting from them. Do you know what I mean? We've got to learn to stay the course. And the only way we're going to stay the course is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so forgiveness is not about begging, right? It certainly isn't. <laughs> nope. Yeah. And so digging into forgiveness right? Y'all know I'm a word nerd. Here we go with the words. 
<laughs> oh, I was just about to ask you then, are you going to explain? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I do, because this was really impactful t- to me when I found this out. And maybe I just overthink things. But prior to the cross, Jesus uses a different word for forgiveness. Oh. And yeah. So pre-cross, yeah. Jesus says, Ephemi, I think is how they say it. Ephemi. Okay. That's the words that we see, the word that gets used in the gospel by Jesus. And so the definition there of Ephemi is to send away, as in be divorced from, to let go, to give up a debt, or keep no longer. And all of those to me sound really tangible. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It sounds like he's talking about something that's like material. You discard something. Right. Like you can. Yeah. 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 And so that, that would be the word that gets used when he's talking to Matthew six and he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He's saying just, we're sending that away. We're not holding a grudge. We're not keeping, we're not holding on to it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And interestingly, I found this one that I just wanted to share. But again, in Matthew, in Matthew 8, where, what is it? 22, Matthew 8, 22, where he says, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Okay, folks, I know that this seems to be an abrupt end, but this is where today's podcast ends because we realized that the recording had gone on for far too long. So stay tuned, ensure that you subscribe so that you get the next part so that you find out what the definition of the post-cross forgiveness was. Thank you so much, Susan, for bringing us these gold nuggets today. Everybody, see you next time. Okay, ciao now.